Gnarly Gnome, and this is Cincy Brewcast, and hopefully you knew that because hopefully you know what you're clicking on when you're getting onto your podcasts, or I guess your your Periscope, because we're live for um, hopefully the whole show. We'll see what the, uh, the live stream does. Um, I think I'm notorious for fighting with every live streaming service that can possibly exist, except for Instagram. Instagram's always been good to me, but I don't, you can't turn it sideways, and I don't think I like that. Um... I don't know. I can gripe about everything some way or another. Luke and Garrett from Streetside, welcome back to the show. Um, it's been... How long has it been since we've had you guys on the show? Thank you. Uh, you were just on. I was on in December. We had both of you guys for the anniversary yeah, of last so year. I think it was probably the, the last time. What? It's June, so nine months ago. That's, Sometime. that's yeah. pretty good. Sometime. Yeah. Um, you're one of the show regulars at this point, though. I, know, I, think, I think I'm on. I think I'm on appearance five. <laughs> I so, think you're at six. Oh, I I'm think climbing up the <laughs> charts. Um, how are things going, Luke? How are things going? Things are going well. Things are going well here at Street Set. Going through some growth right now, which is exciting. Got that 45 barrel fermenter in there, and um, just trying to get our footprint out there a little bit more in the Cincinnati area. Um, and then our special projects are going pretty pretty well as well. And we are going to talk a whole lot about some of the special projects, as anybody that's looking live can um, see sitting on the table. We've got some really fun stuff. One of one of which was just announced today. Yep. Um, comes out this Friday. Yep. Um, lots of sours, lots of big beers, some barrel aged stuff, like some really fun stuff that you guys are doing. Um, let's drink something to start this off with. Okay, we are going to start with. A, our Texas. Oh, hang on, we got to hit the sounder first. Oh. From the beer fridge. There we go. Can't do it otherwise. <laughs> and as we drink, we'll kind of uh, talk so about stuff. Yep. So this is the Texas spontaneous project that we did last June with our good friend uh, Chris Tidwell. He's down at Panther Island in Fort Worth, Texas. He brought up his culture some uh, uh, Texas hay and smoked honey with Luke can remind me but he's opening the bottle right now uh, but lots of herbs oh that was good we weren't we weren't entirely <laughs> sure what would happen yeah. this is gonna be very carbonated Luke was telling me about this one okay. when I ran into him at uh, at three points um, and yeah. I'm, I'm extremely curious yeah so this was all Ohio malts from house malt uh luke what was the herbs that the honey was smoked so the honey was smoked uh with lavender thyme mint uh i think that's it it was done in a barbecue smoker too so it has some meatiness to it also which was pretty sweet uh but yeah chris brought that up um he also brought up uh some texas hay um and yeah so Texas hay was in the mash, all Ohio malts for um, add artois to it, 
and then we use his. Um, and I want to make sure we we, rec- we we say this clearly. When we say spontaneous, I guess in this sense, we don't really mean actual spontaneous, where we boiled the wort, left it out on a cool ship overnight, and then it just took off. These were cultures that were captured by Chris himself in his garden, um, and, and then cultivated. Then it he over cultivated. Time. Then we used it. So it's a spontaneous culture, not a spontaneous which, beer. Which most of the time when you hear a brewery talking about spontaneously fermented beers, that is what they're talking yeah, about. When, right, you, when, right. you're talk, when you talk to Urban Artifact with their spontaneous dinosaur series, that kind of it's it's all the same ideas. It's yes, it's it's yeast that has been gathered from an environment, but it's a cultivated yeast over right. time that's been selected very um, meticulously to make sure that it's what you want out of the beer. Yes, that is correct. I mean, that's the the way you, you know, not to say that it's the way you should be doing it at this point because there is some kind of fun to putting a cool ship out and just letting things go. Right. But, I mean, let's let's use some science and and be smart about things too sometimes, so. Yeah, so for this beer, um, we typically, Gary and I typically let about a month go by in the bottle for it to recondition. Um, that way, so it can just kind of like work its way out of any, you know, if it goes through a, you know, diacetyl bloom or sulfur or, you know, if there's any petio in there, it goes through a sick phase. Um, then after a month, we'll start trying them and then see how the progression has been. So this one's actually only got three weeks, so it's still a little young. Um, but I mean, it is. There's Showing the lot. notes, everything that we were expecting right. from when I'm, it was from I'm the barrel. I'm trying to think of what it is that I'm smelling here. There's, there's a lot going on. I mean, obviously you're going to get some smoke, and then lavender is going to come off right off the right off the top. Um, and I mean, then it's there's the smokiness with the lavender. I think that I'm getting. Um, yeah. And so doing a smoked, I guess we're going to call it. Well, I call it. I don't. This is an official term. Super grisette. We were originally shooting for like a four or five percent grisette. Um, oh, and holy hell! That's good. Yeah, it turned out nice. We're, we're stoked. Um, and we're not done. We still have another batch of it. Or we still have another two barrels of it that we haven't uh, put our final touches on, I guess right. we could say, right? Yeah. So oh, we got a, the second barrels will be fruited. Or the last two barrels will be fruited. Uh, we haven't really decided what we're going to put in it. Uh, but, yeah, this one, in the barrels, you could definitely get, oh, I think, more smokiness. But this is definitely, like, light lemony, which seems to be kind of a trend with the sours that we've been doing uh, fair amount of smokiness the, we really wanted to make this one like spritzy and bright that's good um, the carbonation level we aimed, Luke aimed higher I because think it's, I think it's, it's great just for the farmhouse effect we wanted it to be more Saison like than like our, if you had all in the family or Apricot in the family, those were definitely lower levels of carbonation and that's, and that's something that we're also working on. If you've followed through all of oh, our man. beers in our series so far in the cellar series, um, it started off with pretty low CO2 volumes up to this is going to be our highest for sure. Um, this was the first time that Gary and I had ever done bottle conditioning, so it was a learning, uh, big step of learning. So I literally went home and found a carboy of some sour that I had that I was planning on bottling, whatever, and uh, did a practice run on it, and I was like, all right, Garrett, I think I got it. Let's, let's do it. So then we do, what, 500 bottles of it, and I'm just, like, tossing and turning at night, being like, are these going to explode? <laughs> that was that was All in the Family, not this one. This is and our fifth all, time doing All it. in the Family was your first barrel-aged sour that you guys released, right? Um, you guys tapped a little bit of it for the anniversary. Yep. Bottles came out in December, is that right? Yep. Um, and it's you know there, there's a whole story behind the name and, and kind mm-hmm. of you know where that all came from which you guys you know anybody that's listening can definitely read about but 
um, wine barrel, just a straight up barrel aged sour. You know, right. no, nothing, nothing crazy about it. But it's the start of kind of a lot of different things right. that we've seen. The, you guys are calling it the cellar series. Yep, yep. But there's been a couple fruited versions of that that have come along, and yep. um, now things are kind of branching off again from that into stuff like this. And, and what are what we're trying to do is uh, with each one of these barrels, I guess, or these series, we'll try to do like the blonde first, so everyone can get the idea of what the the base beer tastes right. like, and then we'll add fruit to it later, or we'll add something else to it. Um, like Tequila Mockingbird, which we're about to have, is not the the case on that one. But we're trying to get that, try the blonde, see what the base flavor tastes like, and then go right, from there. Right. Well, and that's kind of fun, too, especially especially with with All in the Family, the way it was released. When you first tried it, you were, you were forced to try just the, the base right. version. And then your mind starts picking out, you know, those different flavors. Like, oh, this would be good with this, or this would be good with this. And then right. down the line, something like that comes out, and then you get to try it that way. But it, it forces you to kind of start with that base, and and instead of you know, with a lot of, I think, big beer releases and variant releases, it's you know, the, somebody will drop nine bottles on us, and mm-hmm. you right. can't always show up and buy nine bottles of something. So sometimes. People will lean towards grabbing just this variant or that variant. They'll miss out on what that base beer is, and uh. especially with the sours. I mean, even with the fruit, uh, refermentation takes at least we we go about four weeks on the fruit, then we transfer out of it, and then we let sit again for maybe another month. So then bottle condition and give it like another two months. So it's not it's not like we can just drop variants right away. It's so it's it's more I guess more enjoyable for us because we can try it straight, and then from there we can really figure out what do we really want to sit on for this long, you know. So the idea, and we might have talked about this when we sat down for the anniversary show. So the the idea of doing sours as um, as big as you guys have, you know, not not big as far as the the beer itself goes, but um, it's become a huge part of the personality, I guess, of Street Side. You know, Raspberry Beret before you guys opened was right. getting a lot of attention. Um, to to now these you know barrel aged sours that it's a it's a big thing that I don't think a lot of people in Cincinnati are doing. Was that intentional? Was it something that just as things kind of started happening? I mean, I know Luke has a huge sour, um, sour side, I guess, to his brewing um, as far as the home brewing goes. But um, was that there, or was it just did it just kind of happen? No, I mean, it was it was there. the The big thing with the sours was uh, we were trying to we were we were going to take it slowly and then we got the all in the family barrels and then from there it just kind of grew and kept growing and kept growing and kept growing we're kind of at like a plateau right now with the amount of barrels we could add a couple more um we have some space wise yeah space wise we've got a lot of young stuff right now down there um i think the the goal is we'll have a couple more bottle releases this summer uh you've got quad you've got tequila mockingbird and you've got this Texas spontaneous whatever super grisette uh, and those will be those will be the next three-ish months and then from there we've got some other stuff coming we you could um, if you're watching we've got a picture in front of us or if you're just listening we've got a picture in front of us of uh, Brett in Berlin with peaches uh, so that'll be coming at some point soon not soon at some point 
and then by the end of the year probably yeah by the end of the year and then we've got our beer wine hybrid so i'm just kind of going to lay it all out there we've got our beer wine hybrid we've got the texas with fruit beer wine hybrid beer wine hybrid uh collaboration with uh rebel urban otr winery i might have reversed it but it's 51 percent sour beer uh 49 percent Savion Blanc grape juice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that's like a that's like a huge that beer. That's a ten. Good. Yeah, it's it's very good. It's like yeah. a ten percent. Uh, yeah, almost pushing eleven. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's just all sugar. You know, it just fermented out actually to one hundred one percent, so it over attenuated. So because um, it kept fermenting, that's one reason why I haven't bottled it. Um, we want to make sure it's stable. Otherwise, we have some bottle bombs. But um, it's it's pretty much ready to roll. Now it's just timing and, you know, getting the beer out and refilling the barrels, et cetera. But, um, but yeah, beer wine hybrid, peach Brett and Berlin. Uh, I think that's, that's that's really it. Yeah. yeah, Three or four more. We've got, yeah. Cause we've got some other stuff. It's, it all kind of just depends on how it progresses and how, how everything ages. Uh, we kind of went through a spurt of brewing a ton of sour beer and then we kind of pulled back and then what you're seeing with that spurt is what's coming out right now right and then you'll see the most recent like spring winter spurt that we just went through here probably beginning of next year end of this year at the earliest and it'll just you'll kind of just keep seeing that um we've been talking about getting larger format barrels um seeing how we can grow the sour program uh but right now we're limited by space, right. as is everyone. So, yeah, I mean, it seems to be kind of th- th- that. That's what the discussion is now all around town. It's people expanding, people trying to figure out what that means to expand, right. what that looks like as a brewery. You know, is it second locations? Is it production facilities? Is mm-hmm. it just a, a warehouse down the street? Is it some kind of thing like that? So it's. You know, you guys are falling right into that 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 time in the existence of being a brewer, and it's right. going to be fun to kind of watch what you do. It's <laughs> just the thing that sinks the most is that it's a sour program, so it can infect the entire brewery. So we got to be really careful. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, but if you are adding a new space somewhere else, that can also work out in a in a, in a safer way too, as right. you as you expand and, and move all that somewhere else, or vice versa, whatever it may, whatever it may be. Right, um, but. You know, you guys definitely have this whole other side to your personality that I think is really fun too. A lot of, a lot of super traditional stuff that I think people don't give a lot of credit for. Um, I didn't take a peek at the tap listing before I sat down, but I, uh, um, I see the cafe con leche, the coffee stout, which I don't know if that's considered a traditional style, but I mean, I, in my mind at this point, it is. Yeah. Uh, what else is up there? Dry Irish Stout. Dry Irish Stout. That's uh, about as traditional as it gets. A pale ale. Uh, that's really it. There's nothing. Danky. Danky's pretty different. That's a cool beer. No, but we're talking about oh, traditional. traditional. Oh, my yeah, bad. nothing. Nothing there. <laughs> alpha. Alpha but IPA. Alpha, yeah, Alpha's not, not terrible. But we've got a West Coast IPA downstairs in the fermenter right now That's we dry hopped on Sunday with Chinook and Centennial. Uh, it's hopped almost all the way through with Chinook, Centennial, and Simcoe, Simcoe we, and yeah. a little bit of Simcoe. Uh, you guys have also made a huge name for yourself here in Cincinnati with some of the the newer styles, right. you know, the, the, the right. New England IPAs and the sure. milkshakes and things like that. That um, uh, it seems like you're hitting in a lot of different things. Whereas I feel like there are some breweries that are just focusing really hard into one of those things, and 
and not trying to branch out from that. And, right. and we don't mind being, we don't mind doing a little bit of experimentation, uh, adding in weird barrels, weird beers. I mean, we've got right now, uh, we've got our twist on cereal milk, which is the milkshake blonde with blueberry and strawberry. And downstairs in the bright tank, we've got uh, cereal milk, but with uh, mango, pink guava, and a little bit of passion fruit. So, I mean, just messing around, seeing, right. what, seeing what we can do with different fruit, different beer all the time. It's part of part of what makes us us. Mm-hmm. Um, how do some of those conversations go? You know, where where do these ideas come from? Where does how do you focus? All these different sides of being street side into actually sitting down and brewing something. Where does that? Where do those things all meet together? If that makes, if that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the ideas come from food. Mm-hmm. Uh, food, but, old home brews that yeah. we just retweaked. Yeah, um, a lot of it actually, I'd say in the beginning, in the beginning it was mainly just Garrett and I's home brews. Yeah, um, and it started. It's definitely like some of these. But how do you focus it down on on any given? week you can you can go super traditional and, and brew something on that end you can you know you said you went through this spurt of brewing a bunch of sours right. you can go new england and you know like how, how do you how do you make that decision of is it just what do you have on tap right now and what's missing yeah most of it's dictated by what's on tap what's selling the best uh what we want to brew uh, each time we make we try to do everything in like rounds so i don't know how many rounds that we're on right now but whatever we're on round say six of 2018 and we try to do like six to eight beers in each round and we try to go through and do two kettle sours at all times two ipas try to have a new england in there and then something yeah like a beer that we know that will probably only sell taproom like on this one we're going to do a brown ale again uh just to have it um we're going to do what else we have? We got to do, do tea bags. We got to do return of the mac. Those are return of the mac and tea bags. We almost have to brew every time, so that kind of shortens what we can do. Um, the one louder series we almost always have to do eighty-one feet. So that's four beers right there. So really, what we can play around with is about four beers in each time that each time we order grain. So this time we've got um, we've got the BC's Caleb's Wedding Beer, um, which will be a milkshake. And then, uh, well, I don't remember what we have. Dream School? Dream School, maybe? Yeah. I don't even know if that's on there. I think it is. Yeah, it's on there. Um, shoot, I forget what all we have. But, yeah, we've got two milkshakes this round, and then... Um, we're doing the, we might be doing the oh. New England with South African hops. Yep, that's on there. And then we've got the platform collaboration. So we're doing our portion of the Smiley Faces collab down here next week. It'll be Imperial Goza with, um, think of uh, like a peach ring, and that's what Sounds we're <laughs> that's what we're gonna try to that's what we're trying to emulate with that one. I forgot about that one, but yeah. So that's we've got every time we. That's like when you right. see our when you see what's on tap. They were all brewed with uh, six to eight beers in mind, and right. we just try to go. We try to hit all those that in a span of about three and a half weeks four weeks and then go from there is there any styles or 
style kind of family ideas that you, you, you haven't hit yet that you guys, you know, it comes up every once in a while, but you just never kind of push it to that next level and then to do it or Pilsner. We haven't done one. We haven't done one since last year. We want to do one again, but they take, they right. take time and space and space time is, and space is not, <laughs> not something we have right now. Uh, we're trying to think anything else. Nah, I mean, we're not really big into the old school, like, German-style beers, like, Hefeweizen's or anything like that. So, I mean, I would say that. But, I mean, we, we did loosely talk about it. But, I mean, it's not something that I'm just really wanting to crush after a hard day's work, you know. It's yeah. more just like that. Yeah, so, we did talk about doing, like, an open ferment Hefeweizen or whatever. I don't even care how, how I'm saying it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just, like... Oh, I, like who wants it? Who want? Who really wants one? I saw somebody do kind of their twist on a New England with half of ice and uh, yeah. too. Something yeah. like that would uh, be interesting. But um, again, I, you know, if, yeah. if, it, if it doesn't get you excited, there's yeah, plenty exactly. of things. That's, that's, well, that's the thing. Like it, it's like it's all about the motivation to actually brew it for us, and like almost every. I mean, not everything, but most beers that we do, we're pretty excited. to to brew tea bags and return the mac are exciting just because they're easy to do um, yeah. everything else tends to have a level of difficulty to it uh, but yeah that's why you see a lot of somewhat stranger beers because the more mentally stimulating they are for us the more likely we are to brew them right well, sure. I, and I, I think that everybody that's coming in here appreciates that I mean, yeah. that's, that's also why people you know get excited about the latest thing that you've brewed or the latest thing that you've bottled or whatever it may be because you know not that you can get a pilsner anywhere but you can get a pilsner anywhere at this point there are plenty of pilsners around cincinnati they're not all great and they're all a little different but it doesn't get that excitement going the way that this grisette what what did you call this a super super grisette you know (laughs) you know like that's that's an exciting beer i don't know that i've ever tasted something quite like this before and that's that's that says a lot in a craft beer world that we live in now, where For sure. everybody is brewing everything, and there's just constant new ideas being pumped out. This is something very different, and that's that's exciting for a beer drinker, and yeah. I assume for a brewer too. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. pretty pretty proud of that. Pretty excited how it turned out. So there's a lot going on in here. Yeah, the more complexity, the better. I mean. It's all you really can ask for in a sour is how complex you can get it. I would say some of our beers starting off in the beginning in the sour room were definitely just all acid. But um, as time has progressed and we've, you know, blended out of those barrels and, you know, gone back into new ones and kind of controlled the uh, the processes of the souring, i.e. adding more hops or whatever it be, um, they've started to mellow out more and more Brett characters starting to come out. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's all you can really ask for in these kinds of things. It's like a Pilsner. How complex can you get it? And right. That's how you can make it better. Right. So how much acid can I get into it or how much bread and acid can I get? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to me because I don't know when that I don't know when the I guess the appreciation for a good barrel-aged sour really happened for me. I don't know if it was a changing palate on my end or just the beers that were in front of me that I was able to drink and able to try, but like there's definitely been in the in the last couple of years, like all of a sudden this big light goes on and you start right. to taste these things that I, I, mean, I, I never feel like I tried before. I mean, granted, I'm sure that I had some crazy, yeah. you know, lambic at some point early on, and I was like, this is the most disgusting thing ever, and right. then I just didn't go back to it. I'm sure it was complex and good, but 
um, the stuff that you're trying around town right now, like there's some really, really, really crazy stuff mm-hmm. that just completely blows my beer drinking mind, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think that's with everyone with sours. I mean, I hated sours for the longest time. Um, and then I think it was just one day, I think my buddy had like a Three Philosophers in the, in the fridge. And I was like, huh, okay, it's kind of interesting. And then from there, you just kind of keep drinking them. And you're like, okay, I kind of I dig this. And then you're like, you know, the more you drink some style, you're just like, okay, I really like that about this. And then I hate this about that. And then, you know, it's just with crap beer. The more you drink, the more appreciation you can get because you're just training your palate to what you want. Well, and you guys, you guys talked about food a little bit and how the ideas come from food. I think that... Food also opens up a lot of gateways into some kinds. Like there, there may be somebody that doesn't like sour beer, but if you get it in with a meal that kind of tones some of that back a little bit and pulls out some of those other fruity kind of flavors that you might not get if you just absolutely just drink it by itself. It's, it's I mean, high tea is a perfect example of that too. High tea is one of our sours that we did uh, single barrel sour. Garrett and I went down to uh, Churchill's Tea in Finley, sniffed through every single one of their teas, probably like fifty of them. Picked five of our favorites, and then we chose the three. And then from there, we took a pint glass uh, from the barrel, and then we just steeped the teas. We tried them all. We're like, this. This is what it is. And, you know, if you're a tea appreciator, I mean, I guess it kind of shows we like tea here at Street Side. I mean, our flagship beer, tea bags, is green tea. So right. it just kind of makes sense and fits. But if you like tea, you're definitely going to just dig that beer. I mean. Yeah. it's And it's, <clears throat> I mean, you look at the the next beer we're going to do tequila mockingbird that's i mean it's a marguerite inspired inspired barrel aged blonde and i think i actually was talking about somebody or talking to somebody about this uh mini hills which is a brewing that's on right now is a manhattan inspired so like a lot of our sours it seems have been kind of drifting towards the cocktail realm um cocktail food i guess we've got high tea but i definitely like there's a lot of there's a lot to be said with the um, ins- inspiration from cocktails from bars from that kind right, of thing. Right, right. I, I, I stopped at Listerman before I came over here to um, try a couple things that I hadn't tried. One of those being their Yacht Rock. Yep. Um, a tiki-inspired New England IPA, which I don't know that I've really tried from anybody else at this point. Right, but again, yeah. it goes back to that cocktail side. And uh, yeah. I it's it, for somebody that... Uh, full disclosure: I like to drink a cocktail every right, once in a while. For sure. um, it's it's exi- <laughs> it's exciting. Like it's it's a whole it's it's bringing these two sides of my life together. And I'm sure that there are a lot of um, diehard foodies that feel that same way about beer. As some of these more food inspired beers are coming on, wine drinkers. You know, you talk about this uh, half wine, half beer experiment mm-hmm. thing that you guys are doing. Like. That's got to be fun if you're a wine drinker that is afraid when they sit down at their local bar. Like, I'm not going to talk about this because none of these people will understand right. that I have this other side of my personality right. that I enjoy. And so it's fun to have those things kind of start to meld and these different sides of drinking personalities kind of come together. And it's uh, it's fun. Yep. I mean, it's funny you bring wine drinkers up because that's, to be honest with you... That's, we we that's, try not to talk about them too much, but... <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm a big wine guy myself, but um, those are my those, those are our targets, man. Like, sours and wine, they go together. Every Typically, anybody and everyone who likes wine, especially... We, we were out at, uh, at March 1st a yeah. couple weeks ago, and uh, you guys, I, I'm, I'm assuming you've talked to Shay at some point. Yeah. And he's a bit of a wine geek, too, and as soon as you start talking about wine, you can see that excitement, yeah. and yeah. so... 
it's exciting, man. I mean, like, that's what sours are. It's all about blending. So just like learning, right. learning wine, and just learning the percentages from every single barrel and their varietals. And that's a really good way to teach yourself how to do sour blending. Is that where, you know, people talk about where craft beer is going? And I don't want to say sours are the new thing or whatever it is, but is it this combining of different different things that have been so separate for so long? Is that what the future of craft beer is? You know, be it food or wine or spirits or whatever it is, like ways to bring all those things into, into one kind of cohesive I mean, that's probably why Bourbon taste. County started. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it is I think the more the longer that we go and the more uh, the the more ideas kind of get played out with not everyone wanting to always have like you see in the in the um, you can evolution you can only of, like, brew an IPA with the next yeah, new hop so right. many times before you it's see just in, a hop. Yeah, you see in the evolution of the IPA in, in and of itself, you've got the you've got your rip your face off. West Coast, you've got your maltier East Coast, you've got uh, your Midwest malty and hoppy, whatever, all that, like your bell's too hard. But then you see the evolution where you've got your New Englands and then you've got your IPAs with fruit. I think you're going to start to see that with everything where everything is starting to just evolve into maybe not like a food inspired thing, but something that. Tasting yeah, inspired. Like, because, like, so like cereal milk, like I we all, I go back to cereal milk, like that's a that's a blonde with lactose and vanilla and fruit, and that's that's I mean that was the goal is to make it taste like a milkshake because people want sweet and people right. want fruit and maybe that's a negative evolution that people just want pop <laughs> alcoholic pop, but like but maybe it's not maybe it's maybe that's a good thing or whatever it allows us to experiment a little bit more because we can pull our experiences in food and wine and bring them into beer and that's uh, like a high-minded artistic view of it but it's probably what we do more often than not yeah so talk about this beer that is in front of us now this is breton berlin with With peaches peaches. yeah so this is uh it's in the conditioning tank right now um it's breton berlin with with a lot of peach i don't remember how much peach about uh about 3.3 pounds per gallon yeah but it 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 comes off as like this big rounded kind of peach flavor like it's not that that peach like snap that then is gone like it's it's from what garen i've gone through with keg infusions and then you know just hearing from other brewers when you use peach you got to go ham there's 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 just no in between um like raspberries you can go you know intermediate and you can still get this huge you know massive characteristic but peach is just so subtle um you gotta go ham if you don't go then you're not gonna get it and i mean a lot of it's really gonna come through aromatically and i think when you you know you smell it before you go into the first sip you're really gonna carry that essence through on your palate um but with peach yeah like you you just gotta go big and that's that's why it's like that that's why we did 3.3 pounds you know because that's the highest we've fruited anything yeah well not anything not anything. One hit wonders are way one over. Hit, well, yeah, one hit wonders. But that's <laughs> this is the highest production, yeah. not single keg infusion thing that we that we've done, um, just because it's peach, and we know that. What, I mean, because we we got through our boxes of pure like the I don't know. We got through I don't remember, whatever. We got through the vast majority, and we still had two left. And I'm like, holy shit, that's a lot of that's a lot of peach. Yeah. 
is this going to see packaging or is this going to be draft yeah. only? This will be both. Um, we'll, we'll have well bottles and we'll have uh, we'll draft it whenever it's ready. Uh, one of the things that I love about Brett beers is watching how they change mm-hmm. over time, and this is one of those that as that Brett starts attacking everything, and there's a lot to attack in this beer. Um, it's I'm, I'm assuming it's going to end up as a very, very interesting beer, depending on when you drink it. Yeah, I'd say once, I'd say give it a year once the peach starts falling off. We have some pretty badass Brett strains downstairs. Um, this is a Brett C. Brett L blend. Um, so the Brett L barrel was probably maybe eight months old and was starting to pop off some nice uh, dark cherry. Um, and the Brett C was always pineapple, mm-hmm. you know, Chardonnay. Fruit, yeah. yeah, and so I'd say once the peach drops. Um, it's gonna get it's gonna get really characteristic uh, characteristical. Is that I don't know. That's not a word, but uh. we're gonna use it. It's it's funny because the original <laughs> we're, the original the blonde Brett in Berlin was like super characteristical. Full. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy that because this is not as like Brett forward. This is very much like right. a, this is very much like a sour peach tart. Yeah, like a peach tart ale. Uh, this is not like a this like when I taste it I'm like, like oh wow Brett. Yeah. But the other one was like very it had like light funk and then all that tropical fruit mm-hmm. and this is it'll be interesting to see how this one evolves because this is month 1 of yeah. However many months you want to keep it. Right. And it'll be Yeah, it's I definitely going to Definitely, definitely change. I mean, it's, I, it, I checked gravity there mm, two, about a week ago. We'll check it again in like two weeks. I mean, I'm sure it's still fermenting. Um, one trick that we always do as brewers probably know, just lift up the hose on your CO in the water, and then if you hear bubbles, there's obviously a lot of CO2 still in there. So it still has pressure. So, I mean, it's still fermenting just really slowly. So it's yeah. just cleaning itself up, um, and during that time, it's just going to start chewing. So we don't see a lot of breweries putting out brett beers uh, locally i'm talking about and the ones that have we see them kind of pulling back on it a little bit lately um and yet you guys are still full on you know putting stuff like this out there is is it a is it a market thing is it a fear thing i mean i'm, I'm trying to get you guys to read other people's minds no, obviously, I think which, it's, is, which is i think it's a uh is it a pain in the ass i, I, no, I, it, I think it's a characteristic thing i think if you have a good brett strain that'll that'll put out nice yeah. Nice esters and nice phenolics that aren't, aren't. I, do you really want to drink horse blanket? <laughs> like I like. I, know, I think it's, it's true, a yeah. nice funk. I think funk is a nice. Ex, uh, but a bleh. good a good Brett strain as it gets it gets older, like it you get these really crazy fruity flavors right. that are right. fantastic. And I think those are the ones yeah. that people want and like a li- light funk. Great. I think heavy just horse blanket. Right. Is not maybe what people want to drink right now. And let's be honest, when Brett, you know, Brett's been around since ni- well forever, but you know, discovered nineteen oh three. But like when it when it hit its its popularity, people were like, "How funky can I get this beer?" And that's all Brett beers were. And everyone's like, "Wow, dude, this is like really aggressive." Like I don't know, it's bone dry. Like there's but just no backbone to this. Something like Orval, like just keeps it's it is what it is. And I mean, yeah. there's an argument there it's got too. Status too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's Trappist. But it's but the beer itself, fresh, it's one thing. Yeah. And then as it gets older, it gets this really great fruit thing going right. on, and like there's. Um, why why aren't we seeing more of that locally? Yeah, I guess what Garrett, like what I was saying, Garrett just said, we just you have to be able to control your breath. I mean, there are ways to get more funk, and there are ways to tame it down. Um, it's just it's about your practices. Um, 
we stick away we stay away from the weirdest ones um we've chosen specifically the ones that we wanted for the characteristics that they're producing we'll stick we'll stay away from ones that we don't want that specific character because there's almost so much you can do with it unless you're doing a lambic um then yeah i want that but when i'm doing something that's gonna be fresh i'm gonna be serving it soon you know i don't really want to get too crazy where someone's be like whoa you know because first you gotta introduce people to acid you know if people can't do that tang you're like what the heck you know and then you get this mad funk going on this horsey blanket you know yeah. like some wet wool then you're like what so it's just like <laughs> it's just it just comes out of this point where it's like it's just too much you know and yeah. then you're really driving people away from it right i think that's probably one of the biggest deterrents for people to buying a brett beer is that they've had bad not well-made brett beers or brett beers with just that are they're just too that's, too much, and that's the excitement for me, especially if it's a a new Brett beer that I haven't had before or something that nobody has had if it, right. for, after a year or something like that. Like that's the fun to me is let's see what this is. Yeah. I've had great Brett beers and I've had terrible Brett beers, yeah, yeah. and I I just want to see. I want I, I want I want to experiment. I want to play with it, and uh, that unknown is kind of fun sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a prime example of going back to the Brett. Um, Trinity Brewing Company out in Colorado. Saison Man knows how to make the funkiest beers in the world. Trinity was actually distributing here in Ohio for maybe less than a year before they pulled out because his beers are so aggressive. There's two points where I couldn't even finish them. I was like, this is just over the top. Just I can't. I don't even know what these flavors are. And it's just the expression that he would get in those beers. And so that just kind of comes back to how are you expressing it? How, how do you want it? And sometimes just because the brewer wants it to be the funkiest thing doesn't mean it's really going to sell that well, you know? Right, right, right. So. And that gets kind of back to that topic we were talking about before of, well, you know, when you're, you, you, you go too far that way of I just want to play and I want to yeah. do something that's fun and then nobody wants to drink it. That's right. doesn't work either. Yeah. <laughs> but, we need some fresh glasses. Okay. Uh, Luke's getting fresh glasses. Um, I think... I mean, if we're just going to keep going, I think one of those things is, like, it's got to sell. It's got to sell right. at the end of the day. So that might be – that's also a reason that people are probably staying away from overly funked up brat beers. Right. I mean, and again, it's it's trying to, to read into other people's minds and why they do what they do or don't do. So Yeah. Um, I'm sure everybody has their own reasons and their, their own way they would put those reasons. I'm always struggling to try to find ways to properly thank you guys for listening to Cincy Brewcast. Uh, luckily, I've teamed up with the Crafted Beer, Food, and Music Festival, which is happening next month down at Sawyer Point, to give away a couple tickets. So if you want to win some tickets, shoot me an email at cincybrewcast at gmail.com and uh, just let me know you want to win them. Today is Monday the 25th. I'm going to do the drawing this Friday the 29th. I will also shoot some stuff out on social media about this, just in case you're a little behind on your podcasts. Uh, But like I said, shoot me an email, and uh, we'll get you guys a couple tickets to the Crafted Beer, Food, and Music Festival. Thanks again for listening to Cincy Brewcast. Know that I appreciate you very much. The dream, the dream is definitely the fact that we went from homebrewing in a garage to where we are today, right? That is, 
That is the dream. Where we go from here, we're gonna we're gonna continue to figure out as we grow. Um, we uh, and we don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Any hip or fun with your clothes on? I don't think so. <laughs> You're listening to Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. This is Steve Shaw. This is Eric Bosler. Hi, my name is Gamal Nagy. Hey, y'all. This is Sean Willingham. This is Brett Coleman-Baker. Hi, I'm Scott LaFollette. Hi, this is Evan Rouse. Cellar Dweller Craft Beers. Darkness Brewing. Rivertown Brewing Company. Admissible Brew Works. Urban Artifact Brewing. Blank Slate Brewing. Braxton Brewing Company in Covington, Kentucky. In Cincinnati. In Northside. In Hamilton, Ohio. Bellevue, Kentucky. Mar, Ohio. You're listening to Cincy Brewcast. Cincy Brewcast. And you're listening to Cincy Brewcast. The voice. The voice. The voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs> Hi, this is Mike Stokes from Cincy Brew Bus. Cincinnati's craft beer scene is growing, and we want to take you to those locations. Here at Cincy Brew Bus, we love to introduce people to craft beer here locally in Cincinnati. We have an amazing craft beer scene. We have lots of routes to choose from and a lot of different places we can visit. Cincy Brew Bus is Cincinnati's premier and original craft brewery tour. We're the number one rated tour for breweries on TripAdvisor. We're the number one rated food and drink experience on TripAdvisor. And we're also the number two total tour overall on TripAdvisor here for Cincinnati. At Cincy Brew Bus, we provide a VIP tour experience for the novice and for the expert craft beer drinker. We like to take you out, show you how the beer is made, tell you about Cincinnati's rich brewing history, and at the same time, have fun, do some trivia, and drink some locally made fresh craft beer. I look at I look at the Bud Light drinkers out there as a you know a forest of harvesters. They're all out there and, and they don't know any better yet, but they will. You don't you don't ever hear somebody say, Yeah, I used to drink that craft beer crap. But I, <laughs> I went back to my Bud Light. You don't hear that, do you? No, you don't. You're listening to Cincy Brickcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Mockingbird, I am so freaking excited about this beer. Uh, again, I, my confession of liking a cocktail every once in a while. One of those cocktails that I like to drink is a margarita, um, but a good margarita. Mm. There are a lot of very bad margaritas, um, which is a topic that um, you'll be able to hear a little bit about in some other projects that I'm working on that I can't really talk about yet. Um, but so cool. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's say you'll be able to uh, go drinking with the gnomes soon, so soon. Finalizing some music and some things, nice. if that gives any good hints of. All right, so this beer you haven't talked about it, have you yet? No. All right, so tequila magbar is pretty cool. Um, this was actually a. An attempted clone of a homebrew I did way, way back then. Um, so, 
We use the exact same yeast I used for the homebrew uh, to ferment these beers. Uh, so it's a blonde ale fermented out in tequila barrels. Um, was in the barrel for a little over a year. Um, we then so you did not go the stereotypical goza in a barrel. No, no, no. This is uh, fresh wort straight in the barrel. Um, all of our beers are actually fermented out in oak. Um, we do that for different reasons, but this one was just 100% fermented in oak and aged on the lees. Um, and then after about a year, we pulled it out. We then zested 50 key limes. I'm sorry, 50 pounds of key limes to get four pounds of zest. And then we just conditioned it on the zest. And then we added some pink Himalayan sea salt back to it. Um, and then bottled it off. It's, it's, it's not. Um, there are some other margarita beers around town that are big and, 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 and just crazy in your face like a lot of margaritas that yeah. you find in you know tacky Mexican restaurants uh, this is not that beer this is uh, right online with everything else that you've done in this barrel aged series so far it's uh, there's some subtlety to it like you definitely get that lime there but it, using key limes mm-hmm. it's that 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 lighter kind of lime flavor yeah. it's not smacky in the face lime it this, right. is, this is awesome it's um it's pretty cool. With this one, it was actually kind of funny because um, if you look at our bottles, you'll see we'll put our original gravity. We don't typically put the final gravity just because we don't really want to. Um, and then you'll see the 5.4% alcohol. Um, so uh, this beer stalled out really, really high. Um, you're not supposed to package beers that were like 1010. This thing finished at like 1020. And so we're like, okay, that's not good. You know, topped it off more culture, and it just never took off again. So it sat for six months, hence why I was in the barrel for over a year. And we're like, you know what, dude? It hasn't changed at all. Let's just, let's just go for it, you know, because the rule of thumb is it hasn't changed in two months. You're good to go. Right. And so actually this one gave me, like, night tears for a while because I thought they were going <laughs> to explode. Uh, but it didn't. But the thing that stank was that the reason why we didn't release this one yet is because it went through a sickness in the bottle. Oh, yeah. um, so it was just, like, goopy. That's typical of when you re-ferment sours in your bottle. Um, so it took about two months for it to clean up. Yeah, and we also like weren't one hundred percent sure why it wasn't carving up. Right. And we're sitting on it, and we're sitting on it, and we're sitting on it, we're waiting on it to carve up. And then it just like it's just that very light carbonation. We think a lot of it is the the it's a lot the of viscosity, body, still, yeah, yeah. very it, viscous. It plays into the margarita thing, yeah, perfectly yeah. though. Like it's and the the second swig that I took, you get way more of that tequila kind of flavor to it, man. That's that's good. Yeah, the, the crazy thing I think about the tequila barrels is, to be honest with you, I personally thought, I mean, this is a negative thing because it's a fantastic beer. I thought they were garbage in the very beginning. I thought they were acetobacter, just vinegar and everything. I was freaking out. And then I tried some more key lime barrel-aged beers, and I was like, tequila beer. Oh, I'm sorry, what did I say? Oh, key key lime. Lime. I mean, those yeah, are some key big lime. barrels, bro. Key lime barrels. Uh, so I was trying some more tequila barrels uh, beers, and I was like, what is this flavor? Is it? This is exactly how tequila beer or the tequila mockingbird is. It's just a tequila flavor. It just gives off like this really sharp pop right. on the nose and on the finish. And it's not vinegar at all. It's not acido at all. You know, by now we would have known, and it's turned out. So we have more tequila barrels down there right now, and we tried them. We're like it's the same flavor, so yeah. we know we're not doing anything wrong. So pretty stoked about it. Yeah, no, I'm. I love it. It's uh, exactly what you think it's going to be. It's got. Lots of that 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 woody kind of barrel 
uh, character up front that um, most of the the stuff that I've tried from you guys from the cellar series so far has had that I that I love in a in a barrel aged sour, um, but it's very different than anything else. Like it's it's got that really great earthy whatever that thing is that tequila is. You know yeah, that, yeah. that. I think my favorite part about it is the the saltiness. The yeah. light saltiness adds. I mean, it says on the on the label. And I wrote it, and I'm super proud of that label for whatever reason. <laughs> that one was a hard one to write. And uh, the umami flavor yeah. that, the, that the salt adds is definitely, like... Savory. It's, yeah, it gives it, it... I mean, it really is like the beer version of a margarita. Right, no, it's it's like a beer version of a good margarita, yeah. though. And, there, and I think that that's a really good, like, way to look at it. There are definitely some... Some beers that I enjoy drinking sometimes mm-hmm. that are beer versions of like those big bright colored margaritas that yeah. you get at you know the crappy Mexican you know yeah. the you know Taco Tuesday five dollars and you know you just you put them down. I don't know, man. But I'm not then, gonna lie. Like this beer's pretty damn good. Like it, a, it keeps changing it. on yeah, me. It does. Like um, you know, mid palate you get this like nice sweetness, almost like you get that candy tart flavor. And on the finish, you get the key lime, and then when you're exhaling, it's just barrel and yeah. tequila. It, pretty good man this keeps changing that's the exciting thing about seeing how these beers are progressing we, we always worry because when you're throwing adjuncts in you're like okay how much long how long can it stay in suspension right. before it just drops right. out um but this one is just it's holding pretty strong right and that's a that was that's like our biggest concern with high tea as well to go back to that one uh, we don't know how long that tea flavor is going to be does tea in. does tea drop out faster than other things might we don't we have no idea. We'll, we'll find out in, here. In my, <laughs> in my mind, for some reason, it does, and I don't know why that's there. I don't know if it's just because, you know, in my head, tea is more of a subtle flavor versus, you know, some of the other fruits. Right. I, don't, I don't know. But. Well, and some of it, like, some of it is also educating the customer as, be- as best we can, and that's why on this one, it'll say, what's it say, Luke? Best enjoyed within a year? Because but, we don't... Yeah. yeah. But it could be subtle for years to come. Yeah, because it's one of those things where, like, Yes, we would prefer you to drink the, the the beers with fruit in them within a year because it's probably going to it's that will be when it's best. But it's best. if you pick this beer up and you say, "Oh, that's too much lime. I don't like all this lime." That's a good sit, yeah. sit on it. Yeah, and, let, and yeah, see what happens, couple, and, yeah, and then try years. it. And you know, yeah. there there are definitely beers that that have um, you know some adjuncts and NBM coffee or whatever it is that in my opinion need to sit for a little bit let some yeah. of that start to fall out before they hit their prime but sure. um, yeah. this is this is great do we have a release date yet uh, it'll be middle of next month we don't know exactly when but we'll pick this one. summer it will be hot yes. outside yeah it, well it's definitely gonna be it'll definitely be July I just don't know when in July yet we gotta look at everything and um, I know when the um uh, when our next can releases, so it'll be scheduled around that. Do we know what the next cans are? Yeah, it'll be. The, I mean, can we be, say what the next cans are? <laughs> I, I don't think. I don't think Caleb will mind. I don't know if he, if he hears it. Sorry, Caleb. Uh, <laughs> it's that. It's the Burt got dumb, which we did the test batch of raspberry, lemon wedding cake milkshake IPA. That sounds fantastic. So we this did. doesn't post until Monday. So if we can't say it, we can always just bleep yeah. that out. And and <laughs> Which would actually kind of be funny. The uh, we're brewing it on Monday. And we're not live right now because right. the live stream hates me. Classic. <laughs> so we're brewing it on Monday, and the event will have to go up. The Facebook event about the release will go up shortly. So shortly this, afterwards, this posts on Monday. So yeah. So it'll be. It'll. It's not that big of a deal. He'll, 
It's got to go up sometime. We got like nine listeners, I think, so it doesn't really matter. And I think four what? of them are me. Four of them. <laughs> One of them's me. So. <laughs> two, of the, two of the nine are at the table. Uh, but yeah, that's so we'll schedule around that. I think that's the, it's the second or third week of July, so... Somewhere around there will be when we do this. So, and we'll have it on. We've got a little bit, a couple kegs. So, we'll, yeah, we got like tents. Okay, tools. so we'll we'll throw it on tap beforehand too, just like we did with all in the family, so people can try it beforehand. And um, the only time we ever don't do that is when we do our single barrel stuff because yeah. we, there's not enough liquid to do both bottles and kegs is that the case with the next one we've got sitting here so we did a ton of a ton of kegs that were just out of the kegs yeah um but yes we have 44 bottles of oh my quad uh it's releasing on friday you guys released on friday it it will yes it has been released on friday (laughs) but yeah the we did a ton of kegs of those Mm Uh, but we went through them all just because we are just kind of holding on to this one. There's going to be like an extra drop. Yeah. And we haven't done a Sour Bottle release in June yet, so this is going to be it. So um, hit us up on Facebook and ask if we still have it because I don't know how long 44 <laughs> bottles will last. kind of just depends. They probably don't still have it is what I'm going to guess with this one. I don't know. One. We'll see. It's it. it I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how much people liked Oh My Quad. I think I think they liked it, but we had it. I don't know. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's my. Good. It's probably my favorite sour that we've done. Yeah. Eh. Maybe Tequila Mockingbird, but it's high tea and tequila are my faves. Yeah, high tea is my favorite so far. Actually, I really want like I'm gonna finish tequila so we can try Oh My Quad. <laughs> <laughs> this tequila is is fantastic. It is. Um, Still got some more. One of the nice things is that it as it might warms be up, my favorite. I, I still like the the base all in my family because I, I mean, there's there's lots of reasons why it's my favorite too. But um, sorry, this is pouring silence. Fantastic, guys! It, this is um, I can say it is my favorite tequila barrel aged beer that I've had. It's pretty uh, good, yeah. We're, we're stoked. I mean, it's it's nice when you put. I mean that was what project number three, so it's it's exciting to see all these beers that you know we are all these you know yeah, yeah all these brews that we did for these barrels are actually coming to fruition when yeah. you always hear horse stories like yeah we've dumped like seventy percent of all of our stock and you're like what <laughs> yeah we've uh, we've been lucky we've well and the other thing is we don't we try our best not to dump stuff. Uh, Madhouse Vinegar has been the recipient of uh, about one project at least well two ish. Well, one clean beer and one sour beer. They got a saison that was fucking utter trash. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't, I don't say it was utter utter trash. Yeah, unfortunately, went through. Uh, so, so I guess the sour beer is saying the new diacetyl is called THP, tetrahydroprenidine. Um, so THP, it just really is, is when you drink a sour beer and you swallow and then exhale, and you're like, man, this kind of reminds me of Cheerios, THP. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a flaw, actually, in beer. I think, I think we talked about this the last time that you were we on the show. <laughs> we did because yeah. I'm, I'm, I hate it. I hate, <laughs> I hate that flavor, and it's one of my biggest. It sucks because yeah, like it, 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 many sour beers go through it. So you'll try it, you'll try a barrel, and you're like, shit, this tastes like THP. Like, is this beer ruined? And then you'll come back like two months later, it'll be fine. But like, it's still every time that we yeah. do a sour, well, almost every time we do a sour beer, 
I'd say all of our sours pick up THP um, during the bottling process because yeah, it's hitting oxygen. Um, they don't. I don't know. They don't really know where it comes from. It's more of like a. It's. Um, no, they do. I forget, but I'm not gonna go if I don't remember it all. But uh, but yeah, no. It's just it's just it's just an off flavor, and it, the thing is, it goes away. You just have to give it time. Um, so it really just comes down to if you want to push your product, you know you're pushing out a flawed beer. So it's the same thing with diacetyl. If you like you're a production brewer and you need to get the product out, you got to hit, you know, um, your quotas with your um, the, the distributor. Right. You know, it's just like, well, it's it's done fermenting. It's good to go. Just, just package it. Just roll with it. Um, but I mean, like, since it's such a new thing, not a lot of people know about it. But you know, if it does become what that everyone knows, diacetyl is that's that's bad. I mean, people are gonna be like, oh yeah, they're just rushing it over there. They're not taking their time. And I mean, some of our bottles, uh, like I said, we we give it a month just to let it just you know even out and you know become become what it's supposed to be in the bottle versus being like, okay, you know, it's hit two weeks. It's definitely carved. Let's just roll with it. You know, it's so brash at that point. You know, you know, there's things that need to be, you know, reuptake. You know, the yeast needs to clean itself back out. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just the more you care and the longer you take on it, which stinks with sours. You know, it's that, it's that timing, like I said, you know, to get bread it's in also, Berlin. It's also what makes it so fantastic, though. Yeah. I mean, we could force carbon, but at the end of the day, um, and I think, I mean, hearing some podcasts about just going straight with bottle conditioning, and I think my... The, the moment that I really realized that bottle conditioning was absolutely necessary for sours was when we did high tea. Out of the, out of the barrel, the reason why I chose the barrel that it was is because it was just a nice, lemony, tart, you know. Not a lot of huge um, uh, characteristics going on. It's just something that we could we could pretty much just play with anything. Right. Throw into the bottle, carbonates, you know, recarbonates on itself, all that pressure, you know, it's making it exert more characteristics. Pop bottle, man, it was just unreal. My favorite thing to say is like, uh, nice, oh, like nice. a nice uh, whetstone <laughs> kind of characteristic. I wish so. we were live so people could see your faces every time we open a bottle and everything's good. <laughs> this is the first time. This is the first time we've uh, cracked a oh my quad bottle. Sure. So this is actually this is force carved because uh, we had not a ton of it and it's ten. 10 percent yeah 10 we weren't 100 percent confident in our abilities and we didn't we really just wanted to make sure it was right so it's force carved but it's still uh it's still sellerable it's yeah. still um we'll see at the end if there's any sedimentation in the bottle once yeah. we pour it but um this is uh this was a this was a fuck up <laughs> um I think I've told this story. I don't know who if I've told everyone, like told the story enough that people know it. But um, this is a quad that we were going to do last last winter, and it stalled. And that is actually how Matt. Speaking of Madhouse Vinegar, they got um, some of their what's now in their balsamic vinegar is partially our quad that we gave them. We gave them a hundred gallons. We took. Let's let's talk about that for a sec because I I know I've talked to a couple people, not on the show about um, them and what they do. Yeah. But I don't know that we've ever talked about it on the show. Like so, there's there is a company that goes around, and that's part of what makes their product is the beers around town. Yeah. Um, from big name breweries that yep. you know. Yep. Um, and th- if they don't 
turn out and they go the other way. Yeah, sure. They turn them into their vinegar. Yeah, and that's and I know like Chris Mitchell made made them a base to start them off. I believe it wasn't a it wasn't a beer that messed up. It was just he made them a right. straight malt base. Um, we've like I said, we've given them some of our beer. Um, I know I see them take wine. It's a it's a nice waste not want right. not concept. We don't if we can help dumping beer. Do they buy it from you or do? No, I mean, and it's it's kind of the same thing that like I apply with the grain, our spent grain. Right. It's a waste product. Like we would just put it down the drain. It's better for us to just t- have somebody take it off our hands. Yeah, it's a it's a like a tiny bit more work, but it's also it helps them out. It's uh, it's we're not just dumping a bunch of beer right, down the right. drain, and that's I, it's I don't know. It's kind of cool to help a company out that's doing their thing and trying to trying to hustle, as Frank Cita would say, as as best they can. So if I can help them out, then or if we can help them out, then we might as well because there's nothing wrong with nothing wrong with it. Right, right. And I hopefully someday, Madhouse Vinegar, if you hear me. Uh, send me some of that balsamic vinegar that you said you would send me a while ago, but whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's so. Yeah, this is a this was a mistake. Uh, I don't remember exactly how it even happened, but we took half of it. They took half of it. We put in in bourbon barrels, and um, we just kind of threw. I think Luke's homebrew. Both of those were your homebrew cultures. Sorry, I know What's you up? can't hear me. Both of the quads were your homebrew cultures, right? Yes. Uh, Threw two, two different cultures at it and let it sit for three. three. So Brett A and B. Brett A and yep. B and then another know. one. Yep. And then um, just let it sit for fucking ever. Over a year. Yeah. I definitely get a lot more maltiness, especially considering everything else we've drank tonight. This is a big, you know, just on the aroma so far. I haven't tried it yet, but. How far did you go into it? Did you talk about the entire story? Sorry, I was gone for a second. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it's... I mean, I just told him what happened, how the quad sucked and, and didn't finish, and I don't even remember why it didn't finish. It shocked. So we were doing half batches uh, at the time, yeah. and so the, the, we, we realized we, we have to do 10 barrels in our fermenters in order for the yeast not to get shocked by the glycol, so we did Especially seven barrels. Yeah. So it knocked it down. Um, and uh, So go back for a second and talk about that. Okay, so... <laughs> In our pretend <laughs> that I know nothing about in, making beer. <laughs> in, in the fermenters, there's glycol to chill the beer when it gets too hot. Uh, it's automated um, through our glycol system, right. glycol control system. And when we, our first winter, uh, we weren't we weren't busy enough to always make 15 barrel batches, so we would make half batches. And we started with seven barrel batches, and then we quickly realized that if we did that, the glycol, which is flowing through the pipes at 28 degrees, will shock your beer, shock it, take it down very cold, um, very, very quickly. And uh, this one got shocked down to, I don't even know what the temperature was, but cold enough. And it just so never. It just kind of it kills the yeast. It, I mean, it doesn't kill the yeast. It just like inhibits its growth period, and at that point, it 
it just it never so kind of like up. when you get in a cold swimming pool and your balls go up inside yes, you exactly they're, they're exactly. not falling off but they're yeah. not another thing though anything. is like this was a and this is something that Garrett and I have learned not to do again it was a fresh pitch of yeast and we were trying to get this fresh pitch of yeast to ferment up to twelve percent yeah especially twelve percent this beer this yeast was beyond stress and so when it got a little cold it was just like I'm done you know calling it a day flocking out calling it and uh, yeah. Um, but actually, I think the reason why I was able to sell Garrett on this was because uh, we had done our beer fest collab, right? And we were over at Mount Carmel. Yeah, so, I think. So, I don't remember exactly what the if that was the time frame or not. But it was something like that. But when I was uh, when I was at Mount Carmel, we did the Ardennes and it stalled. And after the second stall, instead of dumping, I was like, "Do it, Mike! Mike, stop! Stop!" I have homebrew cultures at home. They're really aggressive. Let me just inoculate these barrels and see if I can save them. He was like, because Mike's, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't right. want to do any bacterial right. things. And it's like, okay, fine, just do it. And so inoculated four barrels. Um, and then unfortunately I left. Well, not unfortunately. I, I, unfortunately because I loved working there, but also fortunately because I came here and right. this is where I'm at now. Uh, so Chris Sigmund over at 50 West now took over and um, he bottled them off. And Garrett tries like, holy what is this? This is amazing. I was like, yeah, man, this is like a stalled beer and just turned out really well and everything. And um, during that time, Chris Sigmund was nice enough and he, when he emptied the beer or the barrels, he got a mason jar and collected all that yeast and gave it back to me. He was like, here you go, man. Here's your culture. I was like, oh, sweet. So we inoculated with that, which was like a blend of a was, lot of different things. That was after. So it was... We were literally just desperate to do something with it, so we used your homebrew cultures, and then you gave then me our dance beer, and then I was like, holy shit, this is pretty fucking good. So I was like, all right, now I'm confident that this beer is not going to be total ass, because it took forever for any flavor to develop. It was yeah, like, it was and then we bad. pitched, and then we ended up pitching that secondary pitch of the what was in the Ardennes, and it, it made it, it really rounded it out nicely, so. Yeah. That's uh, how we ended up with this. It's, it's literally been everywhere. and uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and this isn't something that we do at all. For our program, this is what we're both really proud of. All of our beers are produced. All the, the beers that are going to be soured, the recipes are written specifically for that. So we're not pulling a tea bags or an alpha that's been hops up to 50, 70 IBUs, throwing in the barrels like, let's see if it sours, you know. I mean, that's another reason why our program has taken off so quickly is because we, we were cognizant of what was going on. Gary and I both have... Uh, How soon after you guys opened did something go in a barrel a specifically to... Uh, like, yeah, that's was, crazy. It was like, all in the family. I, yeah. I, I don't know if people understand that, like, you know, especially in the, the way things are in Cincinnati, you know, especially when you guys opened with the way things were going, there's... To keep up with that demand when you open your doors and to not run out of beer is a, is a fear... And to it's fun though, man. Like to when put we're doing, beer into into barrels that you know are going to sit there for a long time. When we're doing a sour like brew, ballsy. when we're doing a sour brew, I get all perked up, and Garrett's just like, Ugh. I mean, but I'm like, let's like, do it, bro. I mean, Knock it out. More, it's it is definitely like it's well, one they te- they tend to be easier because they're just kind of like mash but, but in and then boil. Barrels in general are are it, it's ballsy to put a beer into a barrel because you you never know if it's going to go down the drain. And to do that right after you open your doors, a month after opening your doors. I think some of it was confidence that, like, one, we could do it, and two, that, like, Luke has done enough research to know what needs to be done and where he wants to source things from and all that, that um, 
it, it really wasn't as risky as you were making it sound. I think some of the some of the moves that we've subsequent, sub, subsequently made uh, have been more riskier, mm-hmm. more risky, more risky, uh, and have not paid off quite like we wanted to. But those, like the the lessons from last summer, we're learning, or like last fall, we're learning now, and that'll make next year better i think yeah. and the, the other thing is like the the nice thing about the mistakes we made last fall early spring yeah we've learned and we learn quickly and i think we can also recover recover from them uh i don't think that they're going their mistakes in the way that like we don't like the way the beer necessarily tastes right now but in a giant blend that we can mitigate some of the things that we don't like and that we can also get rid of the barrels that are really and truly just like not our style. And we're not talking like Bad. vinegar barrels. Bad. We're talking yeah. about just like we're some flavors that we just don't like or very rustic characteristics yeah. from specific the malt. grains. Yeah. 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 Call it a rustic characteristic. It sounds good to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's a, that's the thing. Like some of that is good. Like that actually the uh, one of my favorite barrels, Garrett hates, is uh, a very rustic barrel. Very rustic. And it's just like, it's one of those things where, like, it's also, uh, it's just about knowing that we have enough product and enough know-how to blend everything out that we're, that maybe one person doesn't like that we can take another barrel, use 25% of one barrel, 20, 75% of another barrel, blend it into a beer that we both like. Is there something you can do, and I've talked about this a little bit on the show other times, is there something you can do as a brewery to bring people in a little bit on that process of what it means to to, to blend a beer? I, I You know, with, with barrel-aged imperial stouts you've seen some people you know different types of barrels and they'll put them on tap and that's that's easy yeah um but the the blending especially on the sour side of you know you talk about a barrel that you like that's a rustic barrel like you know as a drinker like you never really get to experience those little nuances that go into building a beer uh, I'm not going to speak for Garrett, but on some things, you kind of just want to keep to yourself. Right. Um, but on other things, it's also more just like, it really is just like 20% of this beer and yeah. 5% of that beer. It's really just that simple. Yeah, you take a couple, you literally, like, we'll ta- we'll do it in the 8-ounce glasses and we'll just kind of like... We'll, we'll measure them out and everything. Yeah, and like even, like, even when we're just like pulling nails to... Um, so it's the same thing as in, in in the whiskey world, you know, with with bourbon and, yeah. and any of those things. You know, they're they're going through that same process on their end right. and doing that with the right. What, like what we'll do is like this is something that we do almost every time that we pull nails. We'll we'll pull the nails, have like whatever barrels four through six. It's not four through not four through six, one through six, and we'll dump them all in. We'll make a couve big old coup of them yep. and uh we'll try it and we'll see how they taste and then if we're like all right well like we know that we don't like barrel two and we don't like barrel and mm-hmm. barrel four we can mitigate a little bit of what we're tasting or whatever barrel yeah. four has nice characteristics but not so much of a nice characteristic that we want to make that the, the focus then we're like all right we'll use 50 percent of that and we'll take out barrel two and then we'll make a blend of one half of four and six and 25% of five. How do you come to that agreement? We, Some of it is just discussion. I mean, it's I mean, we discussion. both have a pretty similar palate, which yeah. has been the beauty. I mean, that's as you go back to recipes, I mean, 
being on the same page for almost everything from day one has been the reason why Garrett and I have been able to produce what we've produced. Yeah. Well, I don't think I've ever seen Luke angry about something, but I don't know that I would ever want to like disagree with him. <laughs> like, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, does he just get what he thinks is good? <laughs> no, I mean... Garrett definitely will put his foot down on things that I think are good and vice versa. But, I mean, again, you know, having worked together for basically uh, next month will basically be two years because we started hanging out and, like, homebrew together. Oh, it's your anniversary, uh, guys. Yeah. So, I mean, just doing that, but, like, knowing each other, we, you know, I'll say things that he doesn't agree with and he'll say things that I don't agree with. And even not just because of the sours, but even on, like, the clean side. I'll say, oh, it's something about this beer, yada, yada. And Gary will be like, no, let's do that. And then he'll be like, oh, you're right. And vice versa will definitely happen. I'm like, nah, damn, you were right. I should definitely listen. And that's just kind of how it's, it's come down to more just like, well, I'm already kind of halfway there. Not all the way, but like I've been through this situation before. So let's just send it and just go with it because it's probably going to work out just fine. We have yeah. enough confidence in each other that we know that one of our suggestions isn't going to be like, the, the the worst suggestion out there. It's more just like, all right, he's, he knows what he's talking about. He's pretty adamant about it. Um, I would say also in the very beginning, I like to bring in a lot of my home brews and yeah. be like, hey, Garrett, I can, I can, we can do this, man. This is like, this is, you know, but um, it's I, easier to convince somebody when you can put a beer in front of right. well, I think the, I think the big thing is like, oh, we've, I don't think that, the, I don't, I don't think that we've only brewed anything once, but, uh, if we normally we can we'll go back and we'll brew something again if we didn't like it uh, I'm trying to think if there's something like that has a very like that we have a good example of blessed what did we do about blessed blessed was like a little bit more bitter than okay. we wanted it yeah um I wouldn't say it's anyone's fault in this this is just an example it just so happens to be against Garrett so this isn't like how it always is but you know if we think that I think I said, I think it just needs to sit a little bit longer in the tank. And he's like, well, let's just get it out, you know, this week. So we did. And he was like, oh, man, it was a little bit more bitter. We should let it sit. But I also just fought him the other day. He's like, I want you to reorganize the barrel room, and I want it this way. I was like, no, that's stupid. I don't want that. But I did it. And then I came back. I was like, you're right. I'm really glad I reorganized the barrel room, just like you said. So, I mean, it's just things like that. I want you to reorganize the barrel room. I'm going to run upstairs and get away from it. I actually did leave. I was pretty I mad. Did, I was I actually did, pretty mad. I don't know. I don't remember why I had to leave, but I was just like, all right, I got to go. But I want this done when I get back. And it was done, and it was Luke liked it better, and it ended up working out. I don't remember why I had to leave that day, but I was like, yeah. The fear of your life. Oh, no. I was at a charitable event. Um it's a small thing like that, and then we just kind of get over it. On the beer side, though, we, I'd say we're both really comfortable with our palates, and we both trust each other. So, you know, if something needs to be done, it needs to be done. And, you know, if it's going to affect the work week, then we need to really get it figured out because we don't want to have a small issue affecting our work week and throwing off the feng shui. Right. <laughs> God forbid you mess up the feng shui. Of <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> well, guys, that's... Um that's it for the show. Um, we didn't run a commercial, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna fix that later. <laughs> but um, for anybody that's listening, if you remember the commercial that you have heard that I fixed, we are giving away tickets for the uh, crafted food and beer festival farm to, uh, farm to table. Farm to table. You guys, you guys yeah, will have beer yeah, there. We'll be there. Um, giving away two tickets. Um, I don't really know how I'm giving him away. Um, let, let's just say send me 
an email or a Facebook message or um, I don't know. I'm going to figure something out here. Um, it will be in the show at the end. <laughs> in fact, this entire thing will probably be replaced with a nice little uh, segment of me telling you how I'm going to give away these tickets. But I'm going to give away two tickets. So do that. Uh, if you want to contribute to the show, do so by sending me feedback. Send me an email at gmail.com or send me a voicemail of you um, halfway sober at least so we can play it on the air. 56770-DRINK. I know it's hard to get people to leave a sober voicemail when the number is drink, but uh, five six seven seventy drink. Uh, I think that's it. I don't know. Share things around on social media. Yeah, I just say make sure you follow uh, Streetside on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Um, if you want to see a lot of barrel stuff, follow me at the Funky Lad, um, and then Streetside Gary. Fucking very personal. Just blasting it out there. Follow me, damn it. <laughs> I need followers. No, if you want to see some cool stuff, the only thing uh, I post is like barrel stuff and street side stuff. Same with Garrett. Uh, he's at Streetside Gary. Yep. G-A-R-Y. Yep. Um, and then you can just see like the inside inside scoop of what we're doing every day. Which is, there's there's a lot, you can get a lot of sneak peeks at things that are coming. Yeah, by, Luke's by Instagram is a lot more worthwhile than mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. always, Garrett, can I post this? Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Well, guys, thank you very much. Um, follow Streetside on all of their social media platforms. Um, I assume on everything except for Snapchat. Are you guys on Snapchat? We have a Snapchat. <laughs> I don't think we've posted anything on Snapchat in a while. So. One of these days, I'm going to find a brewery that actually understands Snapchat. I think Patrick has a Snapchat. I don't. Do they use it? Whatever. I don't know if they use it. I think they do. I think, I, I think they have one. I don't know if they use it just like us. Yeah, I, I don't know Snapchat's if anybody's actually worthless, using it. It's so weird. Sorry, Snapchat. It's, it's strange. Don't who owns Snapchat at this point? Is it Snapchat? Is nobody Microsoft? owns them yet? Is it Microsoft? Uh, this is the worst part. This is fucking fucking. Do you know how many like funny like Snapchat people we're getting to listen to the podcast now? I'm going to tag everything with Snapchat, there so these go. people listen to the podcast think it's going to be Snapchat talk. <laughs> Thank you guys. This is why we have nine listeners because we spend half the show talking about Snapchat. Uh, Cincy Brewcast www.cincybrewcast.com I think that's probably the easiest way to listen to the show or if you're already a podcast listener just uh, search for it on whatever thing you listen on and it's there uh, like I said share with your friends thank you guys Cincy Brewcast the voice of Cincy Craft <laughs> <laughs>